Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Okay, welcome everyone to this episode of the B2B Marketers on the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'm joined by someone on a mission to take the customer success practice to the next level. So coming to us from San Jose, California, Mr. Mark Stagi. Welcome to the show, sir. Awesome. Thank you, Christian, for having me on the show. Uh, super happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Likewise, Mark. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. And before we start, shout out to your buddy and uh, my buddy too, Yag. <laughs> Thank you so much for the introduction. Yes, yes. No, that's awesome. Cool. So, yeah, let, let's uh, let's kick off this conversation, Mark. And uh, I'd like to go back to a recent conversation that you had with your CEO, Aditya, and it's on the Modern SaaS podcast. So you, you were talking about what CS teams need to do when a big account churns. Now, when you mentioned something like that, it kind of sounds like a little bit of a reactive approach, or at least it could be viewed by some as such. So talk yeah. to us about why you think proactive engagement is the way to go and why that should be a top priority for CS. Great. Yeah, no, and and you're you're totally right. I mean, when you do have something that happens where a large account already churns, you're really in in reactive mode. And that's the mode that you should be in a few percent. Uh, of your day as a CSM. Uh, really what a CSM should drive uh, towards is how do you act as a strategic advisor to your accounts? You know, how are you putting uh, playbooks together that are going to be um, proactive in nature? How do you stay ahead of the curve? Um, you know, and when I think about it, um, the, the goal overall of a CSM really should be, how are you driving value for your accounts? How do you know what value means for them? Um, and then how are you working as a partner with them, you know, week over week, month over month to continue driving more value over time? And that really comes from uh, a lot of proactive playbooks um, that you should put in place. Um, and, and like I said, making sure that you're, you're always ahead of the curve. You know what the customer needs are before they really do. And you're working with them hand in hand to achieve their business goals. That's absolutely right. And I'm just going to play devil's advocate just a little bit, right? Because yeah. uh, I mean, I totally hear what you're saying, but just break it down for us a little bit what you mean by, def, um, you know, adding value, because, you know, everybody talks about adding value. And more often than not, a lot of people don't actually define what that actually what, what that means. Right. So, yeah. So, so, yeah. Could you elaborate on that a little bit further? That that is a great question. And, and I think that really is the start of when you're building um, a CS organization, say you're at a company that's smaller and you're building out your CS org. Um, one of the, the first things that I think you always should do is really have a crystal clear definition of what value means in a tangible way for customers. Um, and again, not, not getting into the clouds of, oh, value means we're gonna save you time. Well, every software is trying to save people time. But what does that mean in, in measurable uh, ways? And then what does that mean for different personas at the company? Because I think, you know, one thing that is, um, is just interesting to think about, 
you know, when you look at your customers, you're going to have a lot of different personas. You'll have end users, you'll have managers using your system, you'll have an, an executive that's in the system potentially. And depending on their persona, value to them will mean different things. So it, it is one exercise that I've always went through to say, what does that mean to whom and when? Um, and defining that. So, you know, really getting into the, the weeds. And then once you've defined that, making sure that, again, it's measurable and you can put that into a playbook. So for example, one company that I was at in the past, we had a, a tool that gave uh, a pretty measurable ROI to our customers and especially to a finance team where we could show them the penny of how much money we had saved them. Um, and that was a key part of our value pillars. Now, there were a few other uh, pillars that we came up with, and this was part of a whole study that we did. We met with a lot of our CFOs. We met with a lot of our, our um, finance leaders that were our customers. We dug into you know, how would they at renewal time really measure what the success is, what ROI are they looking for? Um, and then with that, we created these three key pillars that were pretty much consistent across the board with our customer base. And, and then we rolled that into the sales process. So sales started to speak in those languages of these three pillars. We rolled that into uh, the CSM onboarding process. We rolled that into the CSM QBR process. So we were always talking about, here's the value that we know you're looking for. Here are your goals aligned with that value. And then here's how you're tracking towards that. Um, but again, I think it has to be measurable, um, you know, and it has to be really clear. You can't have these vague uh, statements that, um, you know, that you're defining value as, or that, that won't hold any ground. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and going back to what you said, it has to be linked to this problem or this challenge that um, you're helping uh, customers mm -hmm. to address versus like, versus the company saying, well, we're adding value because of these product features, right? Because you get, you get a bit yeah. of that too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it always has to be measurable. And then that should align with the product roadmap that you're building out as yeah. well. Like once a new feature is released, to your point, you know, you should know how that will impact the value to your end users and how that's gonna um how that's gonna manifest more value for the economic buyer of the account. Um, and how are you gonna translate that into like real ROI savings for them? Absolutely right. And you brought up something which I thought was a great segue into the next question, which is uh, common mistakes and misconceptions that you've seen um, when it comes to the topic of proactive engagement. And uh, yeah, talk to us about some yeah. of those and how they should be addressed. And I'm sure you will have no problem answering that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think I think there's a lot of of um, misconception when it comes to how do you be proactive and and where I've seen it start you know, is in talking to other people in the industry. And, and also as you know, I've been at a, a few high growth companies interviewing lots of people in the CS space. I think one, one real common area that it can start with is this concept of, okay, we need to be proactive. So let's first put in some tools and technology right away. And people will run to, you know, grab a tool and say, what do we need to solve for? Well, we need to make sure customers are logging into our system. You know, we're a SaaS-based system and we're selling by seat. We need to make sure people are logging in. So let's put a bunch of automation in where if people don't log in after two days, we're going to send them an email from the CSM and it's going to say, hey, we need to talk. 
let's talk about usage and uh, let's make sure that you're on the right path or we need to check in. You know, and they send these kind of generic too, which is another topic uh, outreach that, you know, isn't adding any value. Um, it's more of coming from a sense of, of worry or concern. And I think the problem is you're really looking to solve a, a very complex problem with technology in a super simple way. And um, what I think people need to do instead is first start with asking a bunch of questions around the who and the why and the what, you know, because even a simple thing with logging in, again, you would you would think at the very beginning that, of course, if you don't log in, you're not driving value. Um, but again, I've seen it at many different companies that really is not always the case when you look at it through the lens of the persona. So if, if you're looking at the lens of, you know, someone who bought the tool, maybe it's a VP of sales, it's a VP of marketing that bought a tool. And, you know, in that case, they're never going to log in and they probably shouldn't log in. So again, I think you need to start with kind of the why, start with what are they trying to accomplish? Um, what is that value? So once you identify those value key pillars that customers are looking for, then you work backwards from that and start to figure out what should the strategy be? And once you have this strategy baked out, then you can look to tools and process and, and you know, technology to, to help uh, with that. Um, but I think a lot of times lately, it's, it's almost backwards where people look to the tool and they just say, if I get that, it's going to solve my problem. Um, but it, it actually hurts a lot more than, than, than it really helps. Uh, because again, there you're sending out things to people without the right context. You're you know, kind of taking this almost like spray and pray approach to just saturate your user base with communication. Um, but you don't really fully understand what should they be doing when they do log in and how can you help them to, to hit their, their key business goals and objectives. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I love how you brought up that issue and we've all seen it with uh, this constant obsession with let's add as much to the tech stack as we possibly can. And let's just yep. in the in the absence of an actual strategy or an actual understanding of the user journey and the user experience, let's replace that with technology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't want to like uh, hang anyone out to dry here, but like just try going to a bank, right? Or, or calling a bank. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and see terrible. what kind of well, see what kind of sequence they put you uh, they put you through with the uh, with the uh, the automation and the uh, the pre the pre recorded messages and the AI and all, all of that, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't be using AI. There's a there's a time and place for that for sure. Yeah. But it's this whole it's this whole notion, and I think that's what you were getting at. It's this assumption. They're working, they're assuming that that's how the user behaves, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it is. You're right. It's based on a lot of assumptions and it's based on, you know, kind of taking some ideas in a closed room and saying, oh, I think this would work. Um, and theoretically, hypothetically, it should work. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a hypothesis. I think a lot of what you should do in business is very scientific and you're running a, a hypothesis, seeing what works and what doesn't. But what's missing is looking at it through the customer's lens and seeing, again, tying it back to what's the impact to their business goals. What's really going to be the impact to um, you know, the ROI that they get from the tool. 
And once you put it in that perspective, a lot really does change. And, and you, you'll realize that, oh, we're having people go through all this automation and all these hoops, but it's not really adding anything to them. You know, they're not more productive with your tool. They're not going to get more value out of the tool at the end of the day. Um, you know, their ROI isn't stronger um, because of some of this automation that you're putting in place. And you're not going to help them to get there typically. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay. So talk to us about a CS challenge that you and your team have managed to solve in the past 12 months. And just, just talk about one particular case if you can. Yeah, no, there was one customer that always comes to mind because it really is a, a very memorable story, which most customers are where you, you have someone kind of on that ledge that you need to, to bring back. Um, but it also, I think, goes to this proactive versus reactive conversation as well. So I remember years ago, we had a customer and uh, we were going through, I was at a company, we were going through a lot of growth. Um, they had signed on, uh, they had went through a very simple onboarding. So the onboarding at that point wasn't really fully baked out yet. It wasn't consultative. Um, we didn't have a distilled view into like what value means yet. So the onboarding was pretty um, uh, point and click, almost like a checklist item of onboarding that we went through. So we did some training. We showed them how to use the application. We got things configured and we handled the basics, but didn't really get into why did you buy? What are your business goals? And, you know, so we, we started the relationship off on the wrong track in that sense. Um, and from there though, they, they had been a customer for a number of months, I believe about eight months at the point when, when I really started to get involved, they um, started to see some small bugs with the system. So, you know, again, um, they, they ran into a few things that most companies are going to go through when you're in software. You're going to have bugs. You're never going to have a completely bug-free environment. And these were small. But at the same time, they kept happening continually. And it was a distraction. So even though they were getting some value out of the tool, since we never had these proactive value conversations with them, what they were focused on and what was just right in front of them was a couple of these little bugs. And with that, they started to get this perception of this tool is giving us no value at all. And, you know, we should probably cancel because it has bugs, it has issues, you know, and again, if you're not having this value-driven ROI conversation with them, they're going to focus on what's straight in front of them. So I remember they were at this point, they, they continued to bring it up. They were getting angry. They started to say, hey, maybe this is not the, the tool for us. And they had a renewal coming in, in a few months. So they were, I think, about four months away from renewal. So what we did is we said, okay, we need to first flip the conversation completely on its head. Um, we need to go out, uh, meet with the customer to face-to-face and sit down, acknowledge, yes, there's, there's bugs. Here's what we're doing for that. But turn the conversation right away into let's bring you back to the point uh, of sale when you purchase this product. Why did you purchase the product? Does that still hold true? Yes. Okay. How are we hitting those key goals and objectives? Well, once we started to unpack that with them, we realized that we were providing a ton of value to them. We were saving them a lot of time. We were saving them money. Um, their team was so efficient. They were able to um, repurpose some of the, the people in the team for different projects. And there was all this value that we had provided them. Um, we didn't as a company communicate to that, that to them at all. And 
you know, again, we, we really missed the boat uh, with this because we were in this reactive phase. We were just getting the, these calls once a week that there was an issue. So once we sat down with them and said, hey, first we take full ownership. There's, there's some issues. There's some pain points that you have. We will resolve those. But let's talk about why, again, why you purchased and what that looks like today. And how can we make that even better? So they had these business goals that we pretty much were hitting already. And they just, again, didn't think about them. And we, if we're not telling them, they're not going to go out of their way to say, oh, how much value are we really getting from this? How much time savings do we have on a per person basis because of the software? They're not going to do that homework. You know, that's your job as a company to show them, here's the, the, the value that we provide. So when we flip that on, uh, on its head, everything changed, um, you know, and we put together the output of that as we said, okay, we now know where we sit. We're giving you a quantifiable value um, that hits your goals, but let's exceed that. How do we partner with you even stronger to make this business case even better? What are some other things that we can do for you that you might not know about that will continue to strengthen this, this business case and this ROI? And you know, with that, we were able to expand the offering. So we went from someone that really was frustrated. I mean, and to be honest, more frustrated than any customer I've ever seen. Whereas when I remember myself and the CSM went into their office, the first thing that they said to us before we could sit down, when we went to, you know, hey, great to meet you in person. This is the first time we're, we're meeting. The first thing out of their mouth was, this was the worst decision I've ever purchased in my life, in my career. Oof. And we will definitely cancel. And again, we haven't sat down yet. And I said, oh, okay, sure. well, yeah. I'm here to make sure that by the end of these next couple hours, you know, this uh, is changed and we can really turn that around. And, and again, we did. And it was great to see after we changed the conversation into what your strategic goals are, how do we measure that? Where are we at? How do we move forward and, and drive more and more value? Um, they purchased a couple of our other products that we had. They became a speaker at our conference two years later, um, which was so cool. So I got to sit down with her at a fireside chat and uh, have her tell her story about the value that we are creating. Um, but again, it really, you know, they got to that point because we did as a company a very poor job in showing them how they were doing against their business goals. And we were just in this reactive, you know, mode. Um, and then after that, again, we started to do quarterly business reviews every single quarter with them that were very data driven. Uh, that always started with the why. You know, every every business review would start with, as a reminder, here's why you bought us. Here's that value you're looking for. Here's how we've done in the last quarter. And then again, how do we continue to increase this quarter over quarter over quarter? So you know, you look at this as the best decision you've made in your career, uh, not the the worst decision. That's a great story, man. And uh, you know, kudos to you and your team for um, you know, let's let's use that analogy, turning the ship around, right? Like, because because that could have gone down really fast. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Had you not done something, yeah, to, uh, no, and there's a challenge. Yeah, no, and again, I think it really does show that you know when you are in this reactive state. Yes. You're really letting the customer control their journey with your business. Right. You know, you're putting them fully in the driver's seat and they don't know your business. They shouldn't know mm. your business. 
Yeah. They shouldn't be responsible for saying, oh, here's the ROI that I got out of this solution. And here's why it's so great. Um, you need to guide them on how to measure that, what that even looks like, how to improve that. You know, you are their strategic advisor and you're here to increase the business value that they get over time. So, um, you know, you have, you ha- but that all comes by being very proactive, looking through their data um, and having a clear story on what that data means. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it goes back to what you said earlier. I mean, like, you know, whether you say, you know, be in the driver's seat or use a consultative approach, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what you're also alluding to, which I totally agree with, by the way, um, is you you use it's, it's not just necessarily that you have to work harder, you have to you have to use a different approach. It requires a bit more time. It you it, it, it requires it requires having those conversations with customers. You know, it's uh, in, instead of just like, you know, as you alluded to, just going through this checklist, okay, onboarded them, done and dusted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a it, it's always a journey that's very long-term, yeah. you know? And I think that's what also drives uh, business value that will be for, for our company, right? So for, for us, that's what builds a really good, strong business is thinking about how do we get this customer to get more value from our solution over a one, two, three year period, you know, not how do we solve their need today, you know? And again, then you're in that reactive approach and you're just trying to, to solve a small problem or you're, or you're distracted by the little, little things that in the end might not be as powerful as a really large initiative that they might be able to um, take advantage of. That's absolutely right. This is something that we discussed in a previous conversation, but it's also something that other guests have said on the show. When you're talking about technology, what's the best approach? And they're always talking about strategy first and then the technology. So what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I I I agree. And you're you're right. We 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 hinted at it earlier. Mm. You know, I think technology is great for sure. I I personally love technology. I have since I was a kid, I am a a complete tech nerd in so many ways, Um, you know, but alone, it's just a vehicle. And, you know, again, if, if you are relying on that to solve all your problems, you're going to miss why do you even need to solve, solve these problems? What is the impact that these problems are going to make? So, you know, I think you, you always have to start first with your goals. What is the strategy look like? build out the playbook that you have and, and a playbook in a sense of, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? So a playbook isn't just, oh, I need to send this again, automated reminder to a user who hasn't logged in to get them back into the tool. The playbook is, okay, we need to see customers using our tool that are these personas. We, they should use it in this way. Uh, the value that they're going to get when they use the system is, is this. And how can we then devise a, a flow that's going to speak to them at the right place at the right time? You know, but I think it really does start with first having just this this broad view into um, into what the journey of the customer is going to be. What are your goals? Um, how do you put together uh, a journey that will help them hit hit your goals? And then you layer technology on top of it. And, you know, there's lots of cool things you could do with AI for sure. I mean, there's, there's so many tools that we do have, but again, I think it can be a distraction because they're shiny, they're new, 
they're cool. Um, you know, they can solve a problem, but you know, you, you got to make sure you know what you're, what you're trying to solve for first before you implement them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just made me think of another question. So like, um, you know, clearly people are obsessed with, okay, let's, let's use the newest tech, right. Or, or let's use this kind of software because, you know, everybody's using it and uh, it's gotten great reviews, but do you also think that <laughs> there's probably another layer to that? And what I mean is like the layer or, or people are not just obsessed with technology, but they're obsessed with scaling at all costs. Mm -hmm. That's probably mm -hmm. where the problem lies as well. Yeah. That, that's actually an interesting question. Um, I think that's part of it, but I think I think what what also might be you know happening is um, people you know people can get um, this false sense of security and you know think that by being busy um, because the, the the downside of technology too is it it takes a lot of work typically to set up it. You know, depends on the tool that you're that you're installing, but you know, many SaaS softwares will take you two or three months of time to set up. And you know, I think that there can be this this um, this trap that people fall into that says, "Oh, if I'm you know I'm a new RevOps person, I'm joining a company. Well, I need to install these ten things, and this is going to take me you know ten months to build out." Um, and at the end of the day, I'm accomplished. Like I, I've done a lot because I've, I've put these 10 tools in, in action. Um, when, again, I think that's like the opposite way that you should approach it. You should say as a RevOps leader, how can I come in and add value to my company quickly? Um, value a, a lot of times is not being busy implementing other tools, not being busy, you know, putting a lot of these other things together. It's like, really diving into the problem. What do we need to solve for in RevOps? Well, you know, you might be able to get by with using Excel and a few other simple tools um, versus this complicated tech stack that you can put together um, and focus more on the details of the problem you're trying to solve versus, you know, this rat race of <laughs> you're, you're implementing a new tool every month. I mean, it, it can just get into this thing where, again, I think it's like a false sense of, of uh, accomplishment. Um, or value you're providing to your company when, you know, in the end, the, the results might be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty small. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, um, uh, and, and I think just to add on, it's, uh, you know, so you don't end up being busy uh, troubleshooting and firefighting. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that can happen too. Oh, right? that, yeah, the bigger the tech stack gets, you know, that can eat up so much of your time. You're, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. Okay, Mark, uh, we get to the point in the conversation where we talk about actionable tips, right? So now let me just set this up. Let's let's appreciate that not everything can be done overnight, right? Some of this will take time. Mm -hmm. But what are some immediate steps that, you know, you've put into place and, you know, through your experience, 
What are some steps that CS teams can take right now as part of their proactive engagement with accounts? So quick wins and low hanging fruit. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things that that a lot of companies, especially if they haven't built out a fully, fully matured CS team. So, you know, this might not apply to people with a CS team of 60 to, you know, in the hundreds. But as you're getting started, I think there's two things that everyone can do. One is just take a lot of time and write out and fully map out what that customer journey is, including things that are outside of your scope. It shouldn't be what you um, have ownership with within CS. It should be everything from how is the SDR team doing outreach? How do inbound leads come in? What type of uh, content marketing is delivering? You know, what is that whole journey through the customer's lens from introducing the um, brand to the customer to them renewing, them growing over time? Um, And I think that exercise is something that can get glossed over many times, but it provides a lot of value. And that feeds into, okay, here is my strategy now. Now that I know this whole journey, how can I improve upon the different stages within the journey? So I think that's um, that's one key. And then I think the other thing, though, we, we touched on earlier, it is really thinking about talking to customers and understanding what value means. So it goes back to your one of your original questions, but I think there's a lot of of um, just a lot of strength that you'll get from taking the time to say for the and by persona um, and depending on your depending on your software too, it could also not just be by persona; it might be by segment. So you might want to say by our enterprise customers versus SMB customers or industry, but taking a look at um, by persona, what does value mean to them? Why? How you can measure it? how you can start to get that data in the hands of your CS team so they can have deeper data-driven conversations. Um, those are two things that I think are really like fundamental, especially with you know just setting a good foundation for growth in the future. If you do those two things early, um, that'll produce a, a ton of results for you. Yeah, and all those are some oh. really great tips. Yeah, no, go ahead. And then, and then real quick too, I think the other piece around around low-hanging fruit that sounds really simple, and it, it's funny for me to say it, but as I was thinking about it, um, one great low-hanging fruit is, again, take all the technology and everything out of the way, look at your top customers that you have, and talk to them. You know, like, that is the best low-hanging fruit. Get to know on a personal level your top whatever, it's going to be your top 100 customers, get to know every at different personas within the company. So your VP of sales, your your sales manager, your sales rep out there in the field, have conversations with them. That is like the simplest low-hanging fruit. Um, If you don't know everything about those people, and again, I always say you should stalk them in a non, of course, stalker way, in a way that's coming from like the heart. It's coming from the right intent. Um, The better you know them, the better you can actually take care of them, the better you can provide them with more value. Um, but you should, you should know everything about how they got to the point where they're at in their career. What are their career goals? You know, it's not just about your software. It's you're, you're selling to people. So the more you can get to know those people, you know, this sales manager wants to be a VP of sales in a few years. Well, how can your software help him to get there? You have someone that is a, a an AE and she's like, I want to be a, a VP in X amount of years. How can you help her get to where she has through your uh, tool? Um, so I think just that simple fact of 
you know, or if you're a CSM that's going to a new role at a new company, pick up the phone and start talking to people, uh, get to, to meet them in person if you can. Um, if there's an event where 10 of your customers are like, you should be at that event, getting to know who they are. And that's like one of the simplest things that anyone can do. Great tips, great tips. And I know you said that it sounds so simple, but in reality, it's it's interesting to know how not everybody does that, right? Like they, they it, it, it sounds like table stakes, like, yeah, go to your top, yeah. go, go and talk to your customers, but they don't, right? But I wanted to go back to something you said, I think it was your first tip about taking the time to write and map out um, what that customer journey looks like. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on this. Like, do you feel that, Sometimes where it tends to go wrong when it comes to customer success is because people are so, I guess you, I guess the operating term is working in silos. So they don't, they, they, they can't see it like from a holistic point of view and capture the entire, like the ecosystem and its entirety. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. I, I, I think you're spot on there. Um, mm. You know, you really need to look at it through the perspective of, you know, the, the wider kind of business vantage point, um, how all these things play together. And, you know, if, if you're looking at your silo only, you know, like the best, the best example is there's all these handoffs with the customer. You go from the sales process to then implementation. Well, that's a really simple process and it's only one step away. The more steps you have too, the more removed you are from sales process, the worse things can get. But you know, right there, you should have a seamless, beautiful customer experience, right? You should know if you're on the professional service side, onboarding, whatever it's, it's called at your company, you're getting a new account. Your goal is to take them, you know, to, to get them to use this the solution, to get to know their business goals in the first month, whatever your, your onboarding goals are. You should know everything about their journey so far. You should know how they spoke with the SDR team. Um, you know, ideally you should be able to hear snippets from those conversations and things like that, you know, um, so you can have a, a, a really deep understanding of that voice of customer, but you should for sure know what they've went through, um, how things are positioned that will put you in a place where you can have uh, the right impact uh, in your conversations. And you're not, and again, it, it gives you the ability to have a great customer experience because you're not repeating yourself, you know, you're not asking a bunch of irrelevant questions, you know, you come in and from the customer's point of view, it just, it looks like a life cycle that's all streamlined together. It's all one company, one voice, you know, it's not these fragmented, like, okay, now you get moved over to professional services. Now you get moved over to CSM. Now you get moved over to support and every way along the line, the customer's like jolted. You know, and they're going, oh, I got to repeat myself. This is terrible. Oh, we've never experienced that before, Mark. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's and so it's true. a hard so problem to solve. Yeah. You know, too. I mean, that's why yeah. not every company has this amazing end to end experience. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not easy. It needs to iterate over time. Um, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot to that. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of strategic thinking, which goes back to, you know, the, the whole topic today, um, you know, you, you really need to take time to look at the whole picture and, you know, devise a, a seamless journey and, 
you know, I think sometimes with the the day-to-day hustle that people have, that just gets put on the back burner and it never gets done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, on the topic of uh, things that can be measurable, right, like metrics, but yeah. let's focus on, um, you know, when it comes to proactive engagement with accounts, what metrics would you recommend that CS teams pay attention to? Yeah, yeah. So th- this is this is always tricky um, because I really do believe that it depends so much on your company and your goals. What what I would say though is one thing that I've done that's worked well in the past is, you know, first start with having a a good understanding of all of the different events that are happening within a customer Um, from, you know, how much time they're spending on certain features to what features that they are spending time with. Um, So I think, you know, unfortunately there's no like silver bullet of look at this. Like some people say, Oh yeah, MPS, look at MPS. Well, again, lots of reasons why I think that's the wrong approach. Um, I love MPS for a little bit of a pulse, but depending on who you're giving the MPS feedback to and a couple other things, that's still not going to drive, you know, the right proactive uh, uh, measures for you. So I think you need to start with looking at on a persona, what are they actually doing? Um, And based on that, come up with some hypothesis on how you think certain things are going to be more impactful than others. And then though, it really, it really goes into having a very scientific mathematical approach to doing some regression analysis and seeing based on that, what really is driving the right behaviors. And it, it even goes to like a growth mentality that a lot of growth teams do. You know, one thing that I remember years ago, I was at a company that was a, a CRM and we went through a process where we identified for the key end user, what were all of the actions or events that they would do within the app. And it took us time. Again, this took us months, but the output of that was super interesting because we were able to see that it wasn't just um, people that were logging in for five hours a day that was important. It actually was one simple thing. If if they would go in and uh, connect their email to our system, which then automatically would ingest email and put AI and all these things on top of that, but if they would do that, and if they would do that within the first, say, six hours of having the account set up, so it was very, very fine-tuned, that drove hundreds of a percent of increase in growth in these accounts and much, much less churn. So you kind of have to get to that level, though, where you take a look at everything that they're doing, you do some regression analysis to say, okay, what does this one event mean? If people are doing this, do they grow as a company or do they churn as a company or or contract as a company? And that, I think, will get you to some metrics that are going to be really, really important and that will drive a ton of change at your company. Um, but you kind of have to go through that exercise. You know, again, I, I think you could point to usage, NPS, other stuff. It, it's just going to get you chasing your, your tail. Um, you know, and it's not going to make the impact that you want. You got to kind of do this regression analysis to know what truly is important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, a status quo, and we're specifically talking about CS here. 
um, that yeah. you passionately disagree with. Yeah, why? yeah. <laughs> and why? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's funny. I was having a conversation mm. with someone the other day with a with a sales leader, and uh, we got on this topic that um, that is a kind of common topic sometimes with sales and CS, which is uh, who owns the customer. And I have a very, very opinionated uh, point of view on this topic. But, you know, first, I, I would say the, the, even the words, you know, that you use are so important. And, you know, I think w- when you present that question, okay, who, who owns the customers? Sales is CS, is it marketing? Is it whoever? Um, the, the word owns is the worst word to use anyways, because no one really owns the customer. You're partnering with the customer. Um, if you really would think about, you know, the, that, that term, you could say the entire company though is vested in the success of the customer is I think a better way to put it that everyone plays a part in the success of a customer and the success of our company. Um, but you know, then when you break it down further, you know, again, I think it's not really a, a question around ownership. It's a question around who is the driver. Because you do need a driver. You can't have multiple people that are trying to drive a car. Uh, you're going to crash. You know, if I'm on the steering wheel and my wife next to me is handling the gas and the brake, um, that's probably going to be a recipe for an accident to happen in a car. Um, so you, you need a driver. But even there, I think sometimes people will will think about that question in too simplistic of a term. And they'll say, oh, well, yeah, okay, you need a driver. So then sales will sales will kind of drive it. They'll be the, the quarterback of the account. Um, and, you know, again, I think you, you need to really look at what are you trying to accomplish and where within it goes back to the journey, where within the journey is the customer. Um, you know, so the way that I think about it is you have multiple different quarterbacks at different times of a customer's life cycle. You also have times where you're playing offense or defense as well. And that's a whole different thing. And, and, you know, if you use football as the analogy, um, yes, there's a quarterback, that quarterback's only on offense. Well, there's a whole position of defense and it's the same at a company. When you're engaging with an account, you might be on the offense in some ways. And at a certain point in the journey, it might make sense for the CS person to be that quarterback. But then at other times, it makes sense for other people to play a supporting role, or if you're on defense, for other people to lead that defensive initiative. Um, and I think you you just have to look at it through the lens of, here's the journey. What makes the most sense to drive the right strategic value to this customer at this point in the journey? And then you figure out who are the drivers or who are the quarterbacks or whatever term you want to use. Um, but I, I think there's so much... Uh, of a negative um, kind of consequence that can come with a really simplistic thinking around, oh yeah, I own it and it's my responsibility and nobody else does. Um, you know, it, it really, I mean, it can also just create a super bad culture. There's a lot of other things that I think are negative about that. Um, but at the end, you know, the, the customer is the one that's not uh, getting the right value or they're at a disservice uh, because you're, you're trying to, you know, control something that you shunt at the at the wrong uh, time, if that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense, and I think it uh, yeah, it reminds me of this whole like saying, right? There's no, it's not, it's not black and white. It's more like shades of gray, right? Like it's not such a straightforward yeah. answer. <laughs> oh yeah, yep, 
Totally. Yeah. Totally. Fantastic. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, this is such a great conversation. Um, quick intro to yourself and uh, how folks out there can get in touch with you. Awesome. Well, thanks again for having me. This this was a great conversation. Um, so I can be found in any place on the web. Um, you know, right right now I'm uh, the VP of Customer Success over here at Avoma. Um, you can reach out to me always via email, just marketavoma.com, which is super easy, avoma.com. Uh, but you can find me on any uh, of the the key networks out there. Um, I'm available on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at just Mark Stagy. Um, again, Mark with a K, uh, Stagy, S-T-A-G-I is my Twitter handle. Um, but uh, yeah, reach out any, any way. I'm, I'm one of the very few Mark Stagys out there, which is the good thing. My name is unique. It might be hard to pronounce sometimes uh, for most people, including myself. But uh, <laughs> if, you, if you Google me, there's not many other people out there. So uh, easy to find me and always happy to engage with any people out there in the community. Fantastic. Fantastic. Once again, thanks so much for your time. Take care, stay safe, and uh, talk to you soon. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.